Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back, writers. This week, we have the wonderful Lily Chu on the podcast, and she joined us all the way from America. Um, She's just had her release of the stand-in starting with Audible, which is honestly the funnest rom-com that I highly recommend everyone listen to. But now in May, her print version is available as well. So we had a really great chat about um, starting with an Audible release and then moving into print. We've had an amazing chat about the letting go process and knowing when it's ready to put your art out into the world. and also making your creative dream a career and the benefits, but also the challenges that come with that. Um, I had so much fun talking to Lily. It was the most beautiful, beautiful conversation. And I know that you guys will love it as well. So you can also win a copy of The Stand-In. So how to win a copy of The Stand-In, all you have to do is take a screenshot of where you're listening to this, how you're listening to us, to this episode um tell us what you like about it and tag lily and i on instagram you can find our um tags in the show notes and you could be getting a copy of the stand-in straight to your door but without further ado here is lily enjoy Welcome back, listeners. And today I'm very excited because we have the beautiful author Lily Chu with us today. Welcome, Lily. Thank you so much for joining us at Writer's Advice. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you. So you're in a bit of a whirlwind because now you're the author of The Standard, which firstly, I actually have to thank you because it is the best, most refreshing, awesome rom-com that I have read in a while. And it is just so full of joy and fun and yeah, it, it brought a lot of light to my life, as I'm sure it has oh, a lot you. of other people. So thank you for that. <laughs> but firstly, your journey is a little bit different. So it's you started your book being released on Audible before print. So are you able to let us know a little bit more about that and how, how that came to be? Yeah, yeah. It's actually been a really interesting journey. Um, so I wrote the stand-in I, you know, now I, all my dating is like pandemic, post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, actually yeah. not even post-pandemic yet. Um, so I wrote it in the early months of the pandemic. So that's, you know, winter, spring 2020. Yeah. Uh, and then it went out on submission and Audible was one of the publishers. So I hadn't written it for, for audio in particular, um, but through the auction process, you know, we decided to go with Audible and as well, we signed a print deal with source books. So um, most books tend to be, you know, if they do audio, it's either simultaneous release or it's it's a bit later, mm-hmm. but mine actually came out in audio first in July um, and it's coming out in print in May. So um, 
it was really interesting because I, the, the audio process is a lot different. It seemed much faster. Um, but also then there's the experience of hearing somebody kind of tell you a story and that moment of, oh my God, I can't make changes anymore, which is always for me, you know, the, the worst moment in the world when you know you have passed the point of return, there's no chance left of changing. Like all this like, oh, but I should have, oh, but I wish and oh, that it's done. Like it is, it's absolutely done. Um, and listening to it was a real adventure. Like Philippa Sue was extraordinary. She made such a beautiful Gracie um, and the voice was great. And it, it was hard for me to get into it at first because it was just very, it was a weird dissonance between um, hearing somebody say the words I had written, that wasn't me. Uh, so, you know, I would start it and stop it. And then I started and stop it. And then I was like, you have to do it. So I just, just went for it like long walks. And at one point I was walking past a location as I was listening to that scene in the book, um, which was kind of interesting. Um, and there were points where I actually was able to lose myself in the story, which was um, such a testament to her ability as a narrator and, and her performance. Um, yeah, and it's done really well on Audible, and I'm looking forward to it coming out in print. I I just actually got the print versions in the mail the other day, which is super exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a gorgeous cover. So it's coming out in May. Is that coming out in Australia in May as well, or? Oh, well, it's online, so. so it's going to be. It should be. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. It should be coming out in May because it's, uh, I believe it's World English. So yeah, uh, I know it's definitely Canada, US, UK. Um so I would say yes. 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 If not, let's get it there. Yes. It is. Honestly, it's a gorgeous book. I really highly recommend um, everyone getting a copy and listening in to the end to be able to win a copy as well. But um, so you've, st yeah, one, that is really, you're so right. Being able to, when you've written this story and then listening to someone else <laughs> read that back to you would be the weirdest feeling but she she did a great job like I yeah she really got me highly invested yeah, in it, so. yeah. and audio is a really you know I actually um read all my books out loud like during the editing process I read them out loud and I also put them through like my my laptops um you know how you can get it to read out loud to you I do that a few times as well so I'm used to hearing it out loud but there's a difference between you know kind of a robotic <laughs> um thing or my like very fast speed read and hearing the performance yeah and did you have to do a separate edit for audible as well because obviously there's a lot of less of this he said she said things when yes. people are reading it out loud yeah that's exactly it so there is an audio draft where um my editor went through and just removed a lot of the unnecessary tags but then also um it's not so much the sense as well as the you know if someone is sighing or screaming or you know there's a way that you can actually just do that with the voice rather than having someone scream and then she screamed. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's the audio version. So it's not it's not drastically different than the print version, but it does remove some of that unnecessary um, yeah. dialogue. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a, it's a completely different process, but yeah, um, there you go. I didn't know Audible was its own publisher on submission, like straight up now that you can you can do that straight away. So. Yeah, it's an awesome process. Yeah. So, you, so you wrote in, sorry, was it the winter of 2020 that you said? 
it was, I started writing it like early January, 2020, and it was done May, June, 2020. Okay. So you've started writing the stand-in just before a pandemic. <laughs> what was the process of firstly, the story coming to you and have you always been a writer and, and been in a bit of a creative field? Um, I'm actually a communications manager for my day job. So uh, I do usually do a lot of writing, you know, for my everyday. Uh, I'm currently on leave for a year, but, you know, it's always, I've been doing that for, I don't know, 20 years or something. So it's always been part of it. And I was writing fiction on weekends and at night and every time, you know, I had some spare time. Um, but for, I haven't always been a rom-com writer. Uh, and that kind of came around you know, the summer before, summer 2019, I guess, um, my agent had kind of said, like, have you thought about writing rom-coms? I was like, mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, and she's like, I really think you should give it a try. And I said, okay, I will take that under advisement, which means, you know, never. Uh, <laughs> but then some stuff happened um, around December. And I, I realized that what I was writing, I wasn't really able to tell the stories I wanted to tell with the characters that I, I wanted to be telling stories. Um, so like, I remember I, I emailed my agent and then almost at the exact same time she texted me and she's like, we got to talk. And both of us were like, it's time for rom-coms. Like at that exact, on that exact day, we both kind of decided we're going to give it a shot. Uh, and I had some ideas and, you know, wrote up kind of like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And she's like, let's try this one. And then, yeah, I, I wrote it up. Like my agent is kind of my, um, she's the one I bounce most of the ideas off of first. Um, so I wrote it and then we went through it a few times and then out it went. Wow, that's amazing. So you were writing in a different genre beforehand and had an agent. You both realized that you want to go rom-com for exactly, like that's your style and it's gone from there. Yeah. And you so had a second, oh, sorry. She brought me on, the book she bought me, brought me on for was um, a steampunk romance, which we still haven't sold. So if, it, if anyone's looking for a steampunk romance, I have one. Um, that needs and, to sell. I love that. Yeah, that's been <laughs> years. So, you know, it, it just goes to show that sometimes, you know, the market's not right or the story's not right or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, she she stuck with me and we just kind of kept working through stuff. Um you know, after that meeting in the summer, I had actually started writing um, like more fantasy, like YA fantasy to see where that would go until we decided to go rom-com. So yeah, I try a lot of different things. Like, you know, I've written historicals and paranormal and, um, but I really do enjoy writing rom-coms. Yeah, absolutely. And you have another one coming out next year as well, which is an, an another thing to be excited about. So you you can obviously write across many genres. What do you attribute your creativity to, to be able to do that? Uh, I think I read in a lot of genres. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not great on visual stories. Like I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of Netflix. It's really hard for me to um, get into that kind of a storytelling medium. Just I'm very kind of hummingbirdy. Like it's hard for me to focus. Um, but books I've always been able to focus on and I read I read pretty much anything. Like I read, um, you know, nonfiction and actually memoirs. I don't do a lot of memoir, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, whatever kind of picks my, like gets my fancy, I will read about. And I think 
it just sparks a lot of ideas. Um, and I actually recently I got into newsletters, like, you know, um, signing up for people's newsletters. Yeah. And, and it's just amazing, like just the, um, because it's curated for you. There's so much information out there. I can't, I can't look at it all. Um, but it's a great way to have someone who's really interesting, really smart, kind of handpick cool things for you to read. Uh, and then whenever I get an interesting idea or I see something or I read something, I have an Airtable um, database that I just throw it all in there. Perfect. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and then whenever I'm looking for ideas or I'm stuck or I'm just bored, I'll just kind of look through at random TikToks or, you know, here's a story from GQ or this weird website that I found. Um, so yeah, so it's just, it kind of comes from everywhere. Yeah, and you can pick pick and choose and create an incredible story from that. Have you always been a writer? Oh, well, obviously through your job, you've been um, a writer yeah. and you've always wrote fiction. Were you a reader young? Is that kind of what got you into that no. as well? No, I actually remember like the day I thought I could write something and I was in my 20s and there's a, um, like I'd always been a huge reader, it, but it never, I, don't, I guess I'm just, I don't know, not really with it or anything. It never occurred to me I could write a book. Uh, you know, I consumed books, but I, it just never in a thousand years would I think, oh, I could write a book. That just seemed like something other people did. Um, but there's this big literary festival um, called Word on the Street. And I remember I was walking around, I was looking at books. And then I was like, you know, and I was kind of thinking about books and what a great story would be. I'm like, oh, I could write that book. And I was like, I could write that book. I could be the one to write that book. Uh, and I went home and I started writing. It is a terrible book. It's an awful book. But um, yeah, like I actually, I went back and I looked at it. You know, it's come through like oh, six different laptops with me. <laughs> you know, like I keep transferring the file over. Um, and I was looking at it and it's, it's so bad. <laughs> but I still really love it. I love it so much. Like I love that book. It will never see the light of day. Um, it's got plot holes you could drive a dump truck through. Um, like it's a total mess. But here and there, there was a turn of phrase, or there's a word, or there was a you know a paragraph or something where I was like, "That's not super terrible." Mm. Uh, and I think it's you know every time you write something, you get more of those. That's not super terrible. That's okay. Like that's that's interesting until like you know eventually, hopefully, you get a work that's mostly not super terrible <laughs> but yeah that, that was too bad but that that's when I knew I could write a book but calling myself a writer is not something I did until uh, recently I, I think probably yeah that was a very difficult mental leap and I don't know why that's probably something for my therapist to dig out of me um but probably the first time I had to write it on a form was you know where they have you know you're filling out forms in like profession yeah um, the first time I actually put in writer was like last week. That's the first time in my life I've actually put that in. Wow. That was and weird. It's really interesting because a lot of people, a lot of people I've been speaking to on this podcast, it, the, the imposter syndrome or to call yourself a writer is um, very common. Like it's, I can't say I've met someone who's like, yeah, you know, screaming it from, from the ceiling tops. And I don't know if that is because it won it is such a, a a lonely task, I guess, where you're you're kind of in the shadows with it for a little bit, you know, do, like doing it as a side gig and and seeing where it 
can take you. And then all of a sudden, if you do have something that gets signed and is incredibly successful, it's like, where's that moment that you can finally own yourself and yeah. and be like, you know, this, this is my thing. So yes, yeah. I, I hope you write that you're a writer a lot more often because also it's been extremely successful on Audible. So Audible even put it as their um, download for, for a month, I think it was. Yeah, it's it's on the Audible Plus catalog, but it you know it was on their um, their editors picked the top top of the year, so it was it was on that that list, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very writing's a very weird thing. I think it's a very weird thing. I think any artistic pursuit, I think um, in Western society we have a very uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to phrase this right, but we have a very interesting way of looking at um, art and people who make art mm-hmm. and there's something about saying I am a person who creates like there's a difference I think with, between how we phrase a content creator and if we say like I'm a content creator which is what I am um, versus you know I am a creator without the content right um, I think it's a it's a bit of a mind shift because we're always like how do you monetize it how do you monetize it yeah. um, and for a long time when you're a writer especially, you know, there's always this kind of hope that eventually people will read your book, but for the most part, you're, you're doing it because you have the story that you want to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, you know, zero um, guarantee that anything's going to happen in that story. Like I got 15 books on my laptop that went nowhere. Um, but you kind of still keep writing. So I think somehow when you write down that word writer, um, for me, it was very much a, a declaration of like, oh, okay, like I feel that I have reached this pinnacle of my career where I can actually um, claim that and not feel weird about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to see things. You're so right. We need to see things if they're monetized or more of a quote-unquote job than to be able to call yourself something like that so yeah and I think that's actually quite that's it's quite damaging in a lot of ways because you know you um you get a lot of pressure from people saying well what's the market saying what's the market going to do and um you know how do you how do you still continue to do the stuff you want to do um but be successful and I think you know when we're kind of looking at art in that way it takes something like um, I remember some friends went freelance, you know, like, and they started doing, they always really liked writing. Um, they quit, they started freelancing, but having to do that hustle took a lot of the joy of the writing out because all of a sudden the thing you love became the job. Um, yeah. And I'd heard that from, you know, I know someone who's a, a reviewer. Um, and again, it, you know, it's not that the love's not there, but part of it is taken over with all of a sudden you're looking at it in much different ways than just the joy of creating something or the joy of um absorbing someone's creation yeah absolutely and it be well it does especially if it becomes your way for an income it it puts this pressure on it as that's what it has to be which you can lose a bit of that love how have you how have you found that process you're you're still working you're on a um did you take a year off you just said yeah yeah Yeah. so I'm on leave Um, and it's been really difficult it's because for so long I've just been you know it's almost like working two jobs right like I would walk I would work my nine to five which was you know it's never really nine to five um and then 
at night, I would be up to like midnight or one writing and, you know, doing writing stuff. Um, and then weekends, that's what I'd be doing. And anytime there's a spare moment, that's what I'd be doing. So in some ways, it's just taken a lot of the pressure off so I can now sleep or I don't feel guilty about doing other things that aren't working or writing. Um, I still feel a bit guilty, but, um, <laughs> but it's been very, um, you know, I thought it would be an easier transition than it is. And I don't want to sound ungrateful because I'm super grateful to have this time to be mm -hmm. able to do it, but there's actually so much writing you can do in a day. You know, you can't, I don't know why, but in my head, I kind of had this idea that's like, you know, you would sit there and you would write for, you know, hours and hours and hours, but I actually only have about two or three hours in me. And then it's just like editing. I can do much, much longer, but actual drafting, I max out like 2000 words, two, three hours a day. And then it's, I'm kind of jelly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I actually I've heard that a lot is it's usually that three hours where people are like, no, that's, that's all you can do. You can't do more than that. And it, yeah, you're working from this different brain state. It's not something that you can sit down and be, you know, analytical on for a, lot, a long time. So do you have a process of sitting down and getting into that creative zone? Is there anything that particularly that you do to, to start bringing that part of you out? Um, not particularly because I never wanted to, um, I can get really obsessive about stuff. So I never wanted to have a routine where, you know, I would light a candle and have a cup of tea because I knew myself, if somehow that candle got, got discontinued, I'd be like, oh my God, this is the worst omen on earth. And, <laughs> you know, I'm never going to be able to write again. So I, I really tried to stay clear of any of that, um, something that would kind of trigger a creative state. Um, and it also helped that because I was writing in all these random times, it was just okay, you've got time. You don't have time for the muse to come to you. You've just got to start writing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I don't really have a routine. Like I have, um, <laughs> I have, there's an album I listen to uh, sometimes because I can, it goes on and I don't hear it anymore. I mean, I'm not going to say what it is because I'm not <laughs> sure if it's a compliment to the artist or not. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like a brand, you know, you know, deliberately made to be played in airports and background music. I think they actually meant that song to be enjoyed and listened to. But for me, it's just like, okay, it's on. And it just kind of shuts out a bit of the background noise. Um, but I'm not, you know, I can work without it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. Like couch, coffee shop, bar. I love working in coffee shops and bars, um, beaches, parks, airports, anywhere. Yeah, that is, and that's really good at how you say you can't, you, especially when you're, you're, like you said, you're writing until 1 a.m. You can't wait to let that muse come to you. It's like, if this is your thing and you love it and this is the story you're meant to tell and you've got to get it out, then you have to get it out in any way that you can with whatever's going on in life at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now, do you have any particular advice um, for up and coming writers on the process? Um, how to get published or even yet yeah, if someone's making that transition um, from work to, mm. to writing? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so much you can say and it's so dependent on everyone's specific uh, situation, right? Um, I think the one thing all writers need though is two things, I guess. The first is you have to have a thick skin. 
Um, there's just so much rejection and that's this reality, you know, um, your stories get rejected, your ideas get rejected. Once your book's out there, um, not everyone's going to like it. Um, so you just really have to remember to not take it personally. It's, you know, you have to have a bit of that separation between you are not the work, you are not the book. Um, your value as a person is not how that book or that work is received. Uh, and I think that's really important because it's so easy to get, you know, you work so hard on it and you do put a lot of yourself in there. So it's so easy to think a rejection of the story, the idea, the book, the whatever is a rejection of you as a person. Um, and it can be very like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, just like, just go hide. But, you know, you kind of give yourself a bit of a time to be like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and then you just have to like, let it go and keep going. Um, and, and it's really hard. Like, I don't, I don't know anyone who's really mastered that. Uh, it's advice I wish I could take more, but there's always that like, oh no. Um, and I guess the second thing is kind of with that and it's eventually you're going to have to let that work go out in the world. So you can, if you are a writer who's just writing for yourself, um, you know, you write your poems for yourself, you write your short stories, you write your books, your novels for yourself, and you know you don't want them to be read by anyone, that's 100% fine. Like you're just doing it for the joy, um, whatever you do with up to you. But if you are someone who foresees a future where you would like an audience or you would like to share your story, at some point, you're going to have to decide what you have done is good enough. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to let other people read it, and you're going to have to listen to what other people think about it. And maybe, you know, it's your story, take those opinions or not, but you have to just write the end and actually mean those two words. Um, because it gets really easy to be like, oh, I just, you know, I'm just going to change this character a bit or adjust this chapter a bit. And you get to the point where really you're just moving some words around. Like you're not, you're not improving the story in any sort of way. And that's when you really need someone else to, to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really great advice because like, I think in any creative industry, when you're, when you're putting something out there, you you could work on it <laughs> forever, you know, and nothing is ever yep. completely finished, but it's that moment to say, no, this is good enough. And, and this is what the world gets. And yeah. yeah, really scary. That's a scary moment. Um, Cause that means that, you know, you're, you're kind of done with it at that point and that means that other people are going to comment on it um and it's and it's hard it has to go to the separation thing right it's hard to be like okay out you go like yeah what was that moment like for you like so it's literally debut day on the stand-in what was that what was that moment like oh, it's terrifying it's always it's terrifying um it's you know it's terrifying and it's exciting and um it's it's all these emotions because especially when it was a book like that um it, you know a lot of me had gone into it and I generally don't read reviews um good or bad because I find them good ones stress me out as much as bad ones do um yeah so I, I try to ad avoid it but you know you're just sometimes people will tag you and stuff and then so you see stuff without really meaning to um and so you're just you know that people are going to be talking about the thing that you did 
um, like the the story that you wrote, and you can't really do anything about it. You know, you can't be you can't say like, no, that's not what I meant, or yeah, that's it exactly, um, because those aren't really the conversations for you. All you can do is you've done the best you can do, and you have to accept that. And um, and that's the scary part, just being able to be like, well, okay. Wow, a lot of this conversation seems to be about the ability to let go, uh, <laughs> which makes me think maybe I'm not 100% there mentally yet. But well, the thing that you have to do is, well, I actually don't, I don't, I don't know this personally, but I'm, I'm, this is just a guess. I'm guessing when you come to print, it's almost like a complete other release because you're going to get different readers as opposed to Absolutely. audible so you've not only gone through it once you, you have to go through it um again but I think it does it feel a little bit more like it, it's, it's still the same book but I guess it's like a second release for you, you feel a little bit it better is. with it this time yeah that's actually a really um that's an excellent point which I I don't think I kind of articulated to myself in that way but it really is because um it is a you know, there are people who really love audio and there are people who really love print and some people who really enjoy both. Yeah. Um, on the plus side, I am not as worried for the print about the reception because I, I know that, you know, it's got a certain star rating on Audible and I, you know, I assume, I hope um, that that's going to carry over. So that's some of the stress out that, you know, because when the Audible release came out, there was that stress of like, oh, how's it going to do? How's it going to do? Um, so I have a little bit of that, that social proof, which is relieving some of my concerns about um, the print release, but it's still, you know, it's very exciting to see your book in print. Um, I haven't actually, I've skimmed through it, but I haven't actually read it in print because I'm scared to, <laughs> I'm scared to be, you know, like through the many, the trillion rounds of editing and whatnot, and the eagle eyes of all the editors somehow would still miss something or, um, you know, what have you, um, but it is beautiful. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very much like another release. And the fact that it came so many months after the audio release, it's, yeah, I'm excited. I'm scared. Um, nervous I is, as they would say on My Little Pony. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Now, I just, I have to thank you so much uh, for joining us today. I have had the most beautiful chat and I know that everyone is going to love this. I love that it's been about the art of letting go because I, I don't, I don't know if that does get better maybe you get used to it from experience when you bring more and more out but with anything in life you know it's especially when something's been so close to your heart and it's not non-fiction it still is fiction but even through having these conversations with authors <laughs> you do see bits of people in their in their writing you know it, it is it, it's come from you so you do it's this really close beautiful thing that's gorgeous because you get to share it with the world and you get to share it with other people. And I think that's the beauty of art, but also, um, yeah, the process of letting go of that is, I, I think it's, it's a constant, a constant thing, but yeah. thank you for doing that because you're sharing amazing art. So thank you so much for joining us today, Lily. Now, have you got, um, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. One, are you able to give us a little bit of um, a preview of, the comeback that's coming out and to where can we all find you as well and best get okay. in contact with you sure so um the comeback will be coming out on audible uh in july and it is about a ambitious toronto lawyer who falls in love with a k-pop idol mm -hmm. um 
I am so in love with Jihoon, who is the main the main character. I love him so much. So if you um, are a fan of K-pop, I hope you like it. If you're not super into K-pop, I hope you like it. Um, it. You know, it takes place in Toronto and in Seoul. Uh, and it really, I think, um, I love the, the main character, Ari. Her journey to me is something I think um, a lot of us struggle with in terms of, you know, is your job you? Like how much of your job defines you? How much of your job is the parental expectations of what you're going to be doing in your life? And then just kind of how her world explodes when she when she meets Jihoon. Oh my gosh, I love that. That sounds beautiful. I have some friends who love K-pop, so I cannot wait to give that to them as well. So that's amazing. And where can we all find you? All so the website is lily or lily2author.com. And then I'm uh, not on Facebook. Um, not on TikTok, but I am on Instagram mostly at at Lily Chu Author, and then also Twitter with the same um, the same handle. But I mostly am on Instagram. Perfect, excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lily. That was an absolutely beautiful chat. And yes, if anyone has not listened to the stand in yet, you can now get your copy next month. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's an absolutely beautiful book. Thank you so much, Lily. Thank you. Thanks for having me.